This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to uh, Reimagine Law, uh, the podcast series that we run that gives insights into the world of the legal profession and the breadth and depth of roles and opportunities that exist within this exciting industry. My name is Simon. Uh, I'm part of the Reimagine Law uh, team. I'm here with my colleague, uh, one of my colleague collaborators, Fran, for this podcast series. And we're absolutely delighted, as we do in every podcast, to always greet fantastic guests to take part in the podcast. Today we have Chris. Chris is going to be sharing his insights into the solicitor profession and with a specific focus today on diversity and inclusion, a really important topic when it comes to uh, the world of work and, of course, very much so uh, in the solicitor profession. Um, Chris is going to provide a short overview uh, into his background and what he's all about. So, uh, um, Chris, do you want to start by doing that and then we'll get into the uh, into the questions? Sure. Thanks, Simon, and thanks for inviting me to participate in this podcast. So uh, as you heard, my name is Chris, and I am a founder uh, of an organisation called Aspiring Solicitors, and I'm also the Chair of Trustees for the Aspiring Solicitors Foundation, previously been a Director of uh, Prime, uh, and before that, I was a corporate lawyer at Norton Rose Fulbright and trained at a US law firm in London called Deckert. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. So a, a broad and varied career, all within the uh, sector. And I'm sure through this podcast, we'll learn more about the amazing work that I know you do at Aspiring uh, Solicitors. Um, so let's get started with the podcast today. And it's going to be a mix of things we want you to comment on and then kind of specific questions that, that we'll be asking. So the first thing, uh, uh, Chris, so as we said at the beginning, this podcast is all about diversity and inclusion. When it comes to diversity and inclusion initiatives, how would you respond to the fact that they're no longer needed within this profession because the profession has come so far around diversity and inclusion? I, I would suggest that that statement is not accurate uh, and quite the opposite. I would say that diversity initiatives are more important than ever. Given the progress that has been made, we have to keep that momentum going. Uh, and that's across all diversity platforms and initiatives. Uh, and yeah, the, the fact that we have been able to make tangible change and, and impact progression within the profession for, for, for certain groups, and also most notably entry into the profession, um, we cannot afford to lose any momentum whatsoever. In fact, we need to continue it and, and ensure that the foot is pressed firmly on the pedal in all respects across all diversity groups. Um, so, yeah, the, for certain, diversity and inclusion initiatives uh, are, are definitely still needed uh, and pivotal to the success and future of the profession. Interesting. Just taking that a step further, to what extent do you think the legal sector has changed or is changing to embrace the diversity um, of talent point? Well, when I look at... Um, when I first came into the, to the world of DNI as as a, a non practicing lawyer, I saw a very different profession, and this was eight or nine years ago uh, when I set up AS. At that point, most firms that I spoke to weren't really talking about data as much. Most firms weren't really collecting data, let alone talking about it and, and collecting the right data. 
And in some respects, unfortunately, you know, some data is still not being collected and I, and I wish it would be, and I can elaborate on that more, but the, the sector has definitely changed. I, I recall when I was um, going to you know, different initiatives for senior people in the profession, uh, most notably for gender, you know, the, the progress in, in eight, nine years has been significant. When I also look at the the graduate piece and the number of candidates coming through uh, graduate programs, obviously the, the recent um, arrival of apprentices, it's all having a very positive effect on entry level. The challenge obviously going forward is retention and has been a serious issue for law firms um, for many years. But actually when we talk about embracing uh, talent. This is something that I've seen in the last four or five years in particular, accelerate from you know, management committees, general councils, and the like, uh, in terms of the, the seriousness at which diversity is being uh, taken now. And I think as a consequence, the sector is very much embracing diversity of talent and wants to embrace that further and continue to improve because there's a long way to go. You mentioned um, the point about data there, Chris. I wonder if I could just pick up on that a bit. How does data feed into um, these conclusions that, that, that you shared with us? Um, well, it's, it's fundamental, yeah. uh, bluntly. My view, and, and has always been the case, that how do you know how far you've come or what you've done if you haven't got a line in the sand? And from the very beginning, when I entered the world of DNI, I wanted to understand or measure the success of our objective which incidentally is for diversity platforms not to need to exist which goes back to the first point um, and you can't do that without data how can you measure how well you've done or, or how well you've progressed or not if you have no data to be able to measure that against and so yeah it, other organizations other diversity platforms out there uh, are also um, driving that. Uh, there's some, some great organizations that are pushing the collection of data and, and the more data we can collect on DNI and firms can hold themselves accountable as well as the profession and regulatory bodies, the better um, because we really need to be impatient for change, which is one of the AS values um, with, with data. And, and that needs to be front and center of everything that the profession does on DNI. Thanks, Chris. And just one more thing to pick up on the data, because it's really important. I want to talk a little bit about what's known as psychological safety when it comes to data, because we know a lot of people, particularly if they come from what we would call underrepresented talent groups, are nervous about sharing their data. So do you just want to talk a little bit about uh, why it's so important and, it, and, and also that people do share their data, but also um, what firms are putting in place to make sure that it's safe for, for people to share their personal data? Um, it's a really good point, Simon. And, and actually, again, speaking from my own personal experience, did I want to, or did I understand the importance of sharing my diversity data when I was applying? Absolutely not. Um, but that was many moons ago. And now there's GDPR and now there's consent wording and there are greater safeties and securities for candidates where they are sharing that information and, and to be safe in the knowledge that it's being stored and held correctly and there's no uh, you know, um, sinister motivation for, for, for collecting it. 
the fact is that unless we get data, we're not going to change and the profession will remain dominated by white male privately educated heterosexuals from Oxbridge with no disabilities or no neurodiversity. Um, again, that's nothing against that group, but that group is far overrepresented in the profession, comparable to the population within the UK. Uh, and we have to, as a consequence, ensure that the best people are getting the jobs and the opportunities to get into the profession. And, and so what I would say to candidates looking to enter the profession from underrepresented groups is your diversity is arguably your biggest strength and the differences that you're able to bring to an organization cannot be replicated by anybody other than you. Um, you are unique as an individual and you should be very safe and comforted by the legal obligations on law firms, particularly for sensitive data, not just under GDPR guidelines, but data protection more widely. And without that data, law firms are limited in the progress that they can make whether that be as a consequence of internal targets, which are quite numerous now throughout the profession, uh, or uh, being able to track the effectiveness of application processes or the ineffectiveness of application processes and be able to remedy uh, any issues that, that need to be dealt with. Um, so I, the, the question is a really important one and, and it's quite often raised in areas of disability and neurodiversity and, and long-term health conditions as much as is other groups and particularly social mobility as well, because there are potentially scenarios where those uh, diversity characteristics could be hidden uh, and where people don't have to share them. Slightly different in most cases when we're talking about ethnicity, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really important one for, for candidates to, to commit to, to you know, pushing in the same direction as, as we all are, which is towards a more meritocratic profession. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think there's loads of great takeaways there. One of the things really strikes me, I guess, is um, that the more people are comfortable and happy to share their data, actually, the quicker change will happen, because that will give firms the data and the information that they need to hold themselves to account uh, to, to hit the targets that you know, they've set for for themselves what you said there simon in terms of sharing data i like that description rather than disclosing disclosing uh, to coin the phrase of a, a fantastic individual um that appeared on an as ability event that disclosure makes sharing information sound nasty and something you shouldn't do um, and there's negative connotations with disclosure um, but actually sharing that information um is a, provides a more positive uh, description of a process which is really important that's such a great differential. Thanks for calling that out, Chris. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really great. Uh, and, and perhaps something firms can take away, actually. You need to talk about sharing data, not about disclosure. We're aware of the amazing work that, that you and your, your team at Aspiring Solicitors do around programmes and, and activities that you, you run. So you'll have some really great insights into the different programmes and the different interventions that are in place. Thinking about all those different activities, Chris, what do you think really makes the difference? What are some of the things that really make a difference to individuals uh, when it comes to you know, programs and interventions? I think there's a number of uh, factors that make a genuine difference. And this is important from making a difference to making a genuine and tangible difference. There's lots of initiatives out there, lots of platforms out there that can make a difference. But what is the most significant? You know, to summarise, it's time. And yeah, you know, there's 
nothing really that can replace the investment of time in an individual whose confidence across all underrepresented groups um, is weakened or lowered because of various uh, factors that, uh, yeah, that have had a, an impact on them. And therefore giving an individual or individuals time to help build their self-belief, to help discuss things they may not have otherwise previously discussed, to provide them with reassurance, to encourage them that they and their differences are unique and fantastic and that's what they need to be proud of is absolutely essential to moving the dial on diversity and inclusion because you can have as many initiatives in place as you like but individuals as we know are, are unique and they have different needs from the next person and only where you provide that time whether it be through a combination of mentoring coaching work experience placements uh, events opportunities where you provide the time candidates will get the best results and so will the law firms and that really is the biggest um, kind of suggestion that I have as to, as to what works and what is most effective. Yeah, and I guess what that makes me think about is that you know uh, there's been a lot of talk over the years about kind of one-off interventions uh, and they're expected to make some big change but actually we can't get away from the fact that bringing about change does take time and it does take a time investment um, and if you really want to see genuine change and you really want to support all talent to, to get into the profession and to do well in the profession, you've got to be prepared to both invest time and give those individuals time to, to as you say, build that belief and grow their understanding and, and value who they are as a person. That's mm. what I'm hearing, Chris. For, for sure. And, and, and actually, it, given the balance in the profession has historically been tipped so far the other way against diversity, whether intentional or otherwise, and I leave people to make their own deductions from that. In order to, to tip the balance the other way, we need to invest into that process. And whether you're talking about money, time, or both, where you're talking about law firms and lawyers' time, that's costing money. That costs you know, a firm money. And so actually investing and time combined is so important. And, and when I look at the firms that have got the biggest results partnering with AS uh, over the years, it's the organizations that have committed the time and effort to that collaboration that have got the results. And you know, flashes in the pan, doing things one off or ad hoc, uh, I've seen it doesn't work. And that's why as an organization, we don't um, work on, on you know, ad hoc flashes of, of intervention because you need a sustained strategy a plan and you need time. Chris, just building on that, we um, had an episode many, many months ago now, all about um, it being about retention within the profession as well as recruitment. And hearing you talk about time, I wonder if there's a, a link there that actually giving somebody time to bed in, feel comfortable, feel worthwhile, build their confidence in the profession also helps towards um, that point about retention and, and, and you know, um, not leaving the profession after a few years or, or a decade or something like that. Yeah, I mean, th there's a few reports out there that are fantastic uh, reports around retention that demonstrate the amount of value that law firms are losing with, with great talent departing, not just their firm, but going to their competitors. Um, interestingly, AS have initiated a, 
a coaching program for trainees and newly qualified lawyers, uh, which is showing some really important um, information and sharing that with the firms is a bit of a game changer. And I, and I strongly believe that the next focus in the next five or so years, plus hopefully uh, not too long, is around the retention piece. Uh, and that does require time. It requires uh, a greater awareness and understanding, again, of difference. It's all very well bringing somebody into a law firm that's diverse and different from other people. But actually, if you don't allow those individuals to be themselves and to be proud of who they are within the organization, then their difference is neutralized. And, and actually, they may not as well be diverse because they've just conformed to, to those that are around them. And that shouldn't be happening. Um, there's obviously many different reasons why uh, junior lawyers depart the profession. But without doubt, we have to, as a profession, firms have to dedicate more time, one, to understand the needs, different needs of everybody that, that comes into their organisation, and two, to ensure that those individuals are proud of their differences. And yeah, that is a learning curve for law firms. I'm delighted to see that a number of firms now are appointing you know, well-being um, managers and, and individuals to, to really care for, for the further development of, of trainees and junior lawyers. Um, and that's really important. And, and when you look at the amount of money that law firms could lose from trading up a, a, a trainee and losing them after two or three years, it really does make business sense as well. I know some proponents of DNI initiatives don't like talking about the business case for diversity, but it, it is a factor that needs to be acknowledged because it's important in the, in the process. Fascinating. Yeah. And again, your point about data coming into it um, there. Um, can I move us on to talk about this tension between assisting people and what people can do for themselves? Um, where is the balance between these two? Um, and Chris, we're really interested to hear what practical things that people who are not typically represented in the profession might be able to do um, to, to assist them in, in entering the profession. I mean, it's a really good question, because when I set up aspiring solicitors, there wasn't as many opportunities for candidates to assist themselves out there. There were one or two diversity platforms that had you know, helped progress the profession up to a, to a certain degree. But now uh, for an aspiring solicitor, you could almost go to an event every week, possibly more with law firms to get engaged. You've got you know, various platforms and opportunities to reach out to mentors, whether virtual or in person or combination. You've got you know, a range of coaching programs uh, and more diversity initiatives that are out there. So you, even a simple Google search, um, you know, uh, diversity in law, or, or uh, I don't know any off the top of my head that would bring up aspiring solicitors. And frankly, it's not relevant at this point because there's lots of platforms out there you could to Google. But you know, even if you type your diversity characteristic and you know, what you're looking to go into, it will come up on, on a Google search now, whereas historically it didn't. Um, so practically speaking, be proactive in you know, looking for opportunities and ways to get into the profession. Use your initiative as well. I, I always refer back to when I was at university and a, a law firm that I wanted to apply to didn't visit my university. So I w went, got on a train and went outside the offices of this particular law firm with a packet of Marlboro Lights and I don't smoke. Um, and I gave out cigarettes to everybody that was coming out of the building to try and find a bit more out about the firm. Um, and when I got to interview, they, they wondered how I managed to find out so much information. Uh, and then I told them, that's using your initiative. And if you want it enough, 
think outside the box and and think about how you can really demonstrate your unwavering desire to become a lawyer. Uh, and you know, the internet and initiative are two fundamental elements. You've got to think about how your other people going in the process are differentiating themselves. Um, and, and practically, you know, being committed to your career choice is absolutely essential uh, to succeeding. Um, Chris, that's an absolutely brilliant story. Um, of course, we don't <laughs> encourage smoking, but that's absolutely fantastic for using your initiative. Um, similarly, I remember going to um, local magistrates courts and sitting in the public galleries and just watching when I was trying to get to the bar. And the number of um, lawyers that sit in the public gallery waiting to get on for their hearing, you know, you can then strike up these conversations. It's exactly. I, and I similarly, I, I went to magistrates courts there's public viewing galleries. Even if you don't want to become a criminal lawyer or you don't want to be, you know, go into advocacy, you can go to the magistrate's courts and say, I went to magistrate's court and took some notes, improved my note taking, but also realized that I didn't want to become a criminal lawyer because of these reasons. Or, you know, similarly, you could go to the employment tribunals at different you know, locations around the country. And again, you know, be able to network with people in the gallery because there's lots of lawyers sat there. Um, and I know one AS member, they, they got to know a judge. They went for a, a whole week in a magistrate's court um, and got to know a judge. And, and the judge then offered them some work experience um, because they were using their initiative. But that person wouldn't have got that opportunity had they not put themselves out there in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I'd, definitely you know, going to magistrate's courts or employment tribunals is another really positive uh, step to, to take. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I think there's, uh, I think you've got the message across that you know what I would describe as do what others don't do as long as it's legal and ethical but do what others don't do uh, is, is a great way to, to to stand out one of the things we're really keen to get all uh, our, our guests to do Chris is tell us in just 30 seconds a really interesting thing about your career uh yeah that you might think would be of value to our our listeners so 30 seconds one interesting thing about your career I know there are plenty so if you can pick one, that would be great. Um, I think it's, it's very easy for me to pick one uh, because it's the most significant um, in my entire career, which was that I spent many years, many hours trying to get into a profession that I was passionate about and really wanted to succeed in, only to quit as a corporate lawyer um, and go into the world of diversity inclusion and, and sacrifice my job so that others in the future didn't have to. Uh, and that's a pretty good reason to go to work every day if that's the change that you, that you want to uh, uh, that, that, that you want to make. So uh, uh, Chris, thank you very much for, for what you have shared. So many great um, uh, insights uh, that you've shared. And um, I, I know one of the reasons that, you've, that we've managed to get you to, to come give some of your time today is through the uh, sponsorship we have from BPP, who are one of our uh, Reimagine Law sponsors, and, and it was they who, who felt you'd have some really great and powerful insights to share. Uh, and I hope everyone can hear uh, uh, those fantastic things that, that we've done. So I'm just going to summarise a couple of the kind of takeaways I've got from what you shared, and then I'll hand over to Fran, who, who I'm sure will have a few others, and, and then we'll wrap things uh, up. So um, I think some key things for me are uh, uh, diversity inclusion is needed more than ever, uh, both because inequity still exists, 
but actually momentum has been built and it's really important that we continue to build on that momentum. Um, uh, uh, that's hugely uh, important. Um, sharing data, the more people feel comfortable sharing their data, the more in a ironic kind of way you'll be able to hold firms to account because they'll have that data and that information on the, on the diversity of people who apply the diversity of people who get jobs and work there um, and, and the targets that have been set will will drive change uh, to come about and I love one of your values Chris which is be impatient for change uh, I, I think that's a really uh, that's really stuck with me um, it's important that uh, one of the most important things firms can do is, is take time to invest in people but I think that also aligns to uh, something else that you've talked about, about the importance of, um, uh, uh, um, you know, going the extra mile, finding ways to, to learn more about the profession, using your initiative. Time is our most powerful commodity, uh, and, and both for firms to invest in individuals and give individuals time to build that self-belief and, and understand their uniqueness is hugely important. Um, and as individuals, we must invest our time and trying to think differently and, and in ways that we can then bring to life our desire to come into the uh, profession. Um, so it's lots of really, really powerful takeaways. And again, a huge thank you from all the team at Reimagine Law, Chris, from what you shared today. It's been brilliantly uh, insightful. And I think you've, you've also really succinctly brought to life what matters at aspiring solicitors and what's important uh, and the purpose of, of your organization and what you want to do for the sector and for the diverse talent uh, that, that can make a, a success of the sector. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely struck by your initiative um, comments, Chris. You know, while the profession has a long way, I think, still to go. And, and Simon, your point about built momentum is fantastic. Um, but that doesn't mean while we're waiting for the profession to, to catch up or, or kick into gear that individuals themselves can't push for change and, and, and to use your phrase, be impatient for, for that change, which is, is great. And it also really struck me your comment on once it's really important that people get into the profession, that they can then be themselves. Um, it probably hits a bit of a personal note with me, but I thought that was quite an, an interesting um, point. It's so easy to conform once you get into there. And then actually, what's the point once, once, you know, and of course, we're not saying that means don't be professional and don't be all the values that you should have. You know, it's just um, it's just about keeping true to who you are and, and, and what it is that makes you special. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Um, I've been sitting here frantically thinking about actions for our listeners. Um, and Simon, my initial two thoughts on this were, were firstly to um, have written scour the internet. <laughs> I love the idea of going to Google and typing in um, something that makes you special or different from perhaps what you typically see in the profession. Um, and then where you want to be and seeing what comes up and following those leads. I think that's a, a wonderful action people can do. And the second one that occurred to me, Simon, is, um, and I know I say it all the time, <laughs> go to court and watch your hearing. Um, literally, whichever type of court it is, it doesn't have to be in the area you want to go into. Just go to court, watch your hearing. You might even love it and stay there for longer. <laughs> um, which also makes me think we should do an episode on how to go to court and watch your hearing. But that's a different conversation that we can have, have off air. <laughs> Um, but Chris, thank you so much um, for coming uh, and sharing your insights with us. Um, and Simon, as always, it's a pleasure to do an episode with you. Um, thank you um, to our listeners for listening. 
and please don't forget um, to follow us on social media we have linkedin and we have instagram accounts and if you have any ideas for any more episodes then tell us what you'd like to hear and we'll definitely um, look into that thanks ever so much for listening bye